0: Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Impact Real Estate Podcast, executive search. I am your host, Chris Papa. So we got Ryan Johnson as the guest today, and my co-host, Victoria Whitaker. How are you doing, Victoria?
1: I'm doing great. No complaints here.
0: You always complain off the air, not on the air. <laughs> uh, Ryan, great to see you, man. We've, we met, uh, I'm not sure how long ago, long time ago. Um, maybe when you were at Brick City, possibly? cit i don't
2: remember, I forget But it was a while I, I think it was brick city right before i went to MetLife.
0: so we're both from new jersey originally you're still in new jersey um yeah you've got an interesting background you, i mean you've worked at some you know, some big shops and smaller shops now you're working at a nonprofit. you're kind of doing your own thing on the side too um so kind of like the purpose of this podcast is to highlight like things you've done in your career and kind of also show people different career paths within real estate. Um, so I just wanted to kind of like start at the beginning, like, where'd you, like, where'd you get the idea to, did you have examples in your life of people that were working in real estate or finance or anything like that? Like, where'd you get these ideas of to, to get into this careers?
2: Yeah. My dad was in finance. So my dad and mom, they were the first generation, I guess, college graduates from their family. Um, But my dad has always been one of my biggest inspirations. And he was a finance guy. He started as a bank examiner for the Federal Reserve and he moved around. He did JP Morgan. He did like MBIA, a bunch of different positions. Um, And one of the things that he had always talked to me about was, you know, figuring out how to be your own boss. Um, And so when I was coming out of UVA, as you can imagine, back in those times when I graduated in 2006, everything was investment banking and consulting. And I didn't really want to go the investment banking route. Mm. And I was kind of exploring some different options. And I had a chance to meet uh, the head of real estate for CIT. Um, and the other position I was considering was BlackRock, uh, their alternative assets group. Mm. Uh, but the guy from CIT was an uh, industry vet from Cushman and Wakefield. He had done some investment banking real estate at J.P. Morgan. I'm like, I want to learn from this guy. Um, and so I went over there and did lending for two years. They had a kind of real estate investment group. And also we originated loans, Bridge and Mezzanine, um, all the way down preferred equity as well.
0: Did you work in, uh, in, an Eisenhower Parkway and, um, no, Livingston? so this
2: is, this is when CIT was just transitioning to really trying to like be at a mid tier investment bank. So we were in the city of five Oh five fifth Avenue. Um, okay. Jeff Peak. It just came over from Merrill Lynch. I, uh,
0: I interned and I didn't intern. I had a temp, a temp job at CIT in Livingston.
2: <laughs> I always tell people I was in New York cause they're like, Oh, Livingston. No, we were, we were definitely in the city.
0: <laughs> cool. I mean, I, so that's, yeah, so that's your entree. Did you mean,
2: did you want to do real estate? I liked it, right? Because it was, it was, a, everybody says it's a tangible asset you can touch. Um, but I, I do like it for that. You can see it, you can feel it, and it still lets you deal with people, you know? Um, and I, I just like the chance that you can create some wealth there on your own as well, too. There's a lot of opportunities, or at least there was, kind of when we were starting out in real estate back then. Yeah.
0: Well, Victoria came out of real estate. Is that, did you like that that part of it, too? The tangible part? Yeah, I think.
1: When, yeah, I think totally that being able to see it as concrete. Certainly, someone who likes to work with people, it's constantly changing. The market's moving. You get to learn every day. Someone's coming up with something more innovative. And I think depending on the community and the geography you're in, you really get to shift um, based based on the people based on people, based on communities. So, yeah, I definitely agree. I, that's I, I did like being in real estate because it felt pretty tangible, both on the impact side, but also. Um, just getting to
2: see the assets yeah yeah and even like you know the analyzing and financial analysis like being able to do that because the cash flowing asset you you have an advantage over other people when you learn those skills you can break down a business you can break down whatever problem you kind of break it down the same way you look at real estate how do you underwrite it how do you acquire it what makes sense so it was just it was a good place to start for me
0: i mean my dream job as, as a kid or going to school was like the do be like a developer in like my backyard. Right. Like kind of rechange like a block that I and see like the growth and live there. But you got to do that. I mean, you, you were at brick city development corp, which was like, I remember that when that, when I first heard of that place. I'm like, Oh man, like I actually, like I was like, part of me like really wanted to work there. Um, cause it's like the biggest city in like my part of the world. And I used to work. in. we couldn't in- afford
2: you, Chris. We couldn't <laughs> afford you. No way.
0: <laughs> I used to work in Newark and, uh, south orange ave a long time ago um so i'm pretty familiar with with newark and um the potential there so i mean and i remember cory booker wasn't booker with that too yep um would love to hear your how you moved over to there and like kind of what your experience
2: was um sure so so the global financial crisis forced that move uh essentially (laughs) right you know cit because the real estate group was one of the newest groups um once they started making cuts and things started coming in waves the real estate group was one of the first to go and i think i i was laid off maybe the second or third wave out of four um and so i'm looking for a new job i'm getting like these asset management positions and you know everybody wants to be in acquisitions and development so i'm kind of pushing those to the side but i'm so young i'm not seeing where the market's headed in the cracks that are coming um and so i had a friend that was at uva and i was talking to him we actually got drinks in the city he's like hey you know we're looking for somebody to underwrite our deals in the city of Newark. And I'm kind of like, huh, this could be interesting. My, my whole family's from Newark. My wife's from Newark. My parents grew up in Newark. So that's home for me. I get a chance to go back. I get some public sector experience. Maybe I'll go back and get my MBA after that. Um, and I get to work with Cory Booker, who has a lot of momentum right now. Um, and so I jumped back and this was just scrappy. And And I'll tell you, honestly, Chris, out of all my jobs, that was the one that kind of put me in the deep end on my own very quickly. You know, I was mm. meeting with residents, meeting with the mayor meeting with other key stakeholders so it was just good for a young guy like myself you never get that kind of exposure at a big shop um so it was good from that standpoint that's awesome man and is is brick city still around yeah it's now called invest north they went through a bunch of different changes i mean you know when working with a quasi government entity you know there's always politics involved there's a lot of different things so you're trying to hit that mission um, but also trying to please a lot of people, so they're still around. They've done some really good things. They just started the first land bank in New Jersey, um, and they got some new people there now. So it's it's still it's still moving. That's awesome, man.
0: And then, do, were you like, uh, is that your yes, your first exposure to like
2: working in any sort of like affordable housing type of world? Yeah, and that one I would tell you. So Brick City was involved in a lot of the bigger deals in Newark. So the Indigo Hotel that came down. You know, the Haynes Griffith building that l just developed recently in the last few years, that was a project that was in the works with a bunch of other people prior to that. So all of the bigger deals, um, Ron Bates, Teacher Village, we were kind of just taking the small slivers of the capital stack um, and really looking at those bigger projects. So didn't do a lot of affordable at that time. They were really trying to push more market rate to change the downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a lot of small business lending in addition to some of the real estate projects. So hadn't really touched affordable housing before I got to New Jersey Community Capital.
0: Don't jump ahead too far, Ryan. (laughs) Don't spoil the ending. Don't spoil the ending. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Um, All right, cool. So you're at this scrappy joint for, you were there for a while, five years or so. Yep. And then you hop over to the giant MetLife. And then, so you, CIT was big, but I mean, how was, uh, was MetLife, I mean, they have a ton of money that they're putting in real estate. Like what, uh, did you like the, I mean, yeah. How'd you get over there? Did you like the transition? Did you learn a lot moving around from different, like smaller to bigger shops? Was that sort of? You think that's been beneficial in your career?
2: Definitely. Um, my, I got a bunch of different experiences, but MetLife, you know, like I said, going back to that kind of acquisitions and development, always wanted to get back to it. Um, and I'll never forget it. I met with the head of acquisitions, who's Bill Markey, um, who I think might have just left, but he gave me a shot. Like, think about it: a kid who has two years of debt experience has a little bit of this economic development, but once to come to acquisitions for MetLife. They had like, a, they mm. have a $40 billion equity portfolio. So they're huge. Yeah. Um, and he gave me a shot. And I mean, that was the best thing I've ever done in my career was to go to a big, I call it allocator and investment manager for MetLife. I worked on, I think under him, we probably closed 41 deals. It's like $4 billion in, in two years. Yeah. And industrial, office, hotel, multifamily, you name it. We touched everything with some of the best sponsors in the country. Um, and that really got my network going in real estate. I think it's like right before I met you and started meeting a lot more people, you know, when you're met life and you got deep pockets, everybody wants to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it was much easier to network than it was at Brick City.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. You now you're on the map. Um, yep. And then did you like, so yeah, take us through your career, but then you went to Bricks a little bit, focus more on the retail side. Did, did you, did you want to go to like a, why'd you move over to Bricks
2: so that was one it was a really tough decision um, for me in terms of going to Bricksmore. But I had left acquisitions for MetLife, the acquisitions team, and went over to Northeast Asset Management. And you know, MetLife has big core like buildings, right? They're huge, Boston, New York. And uh, I'm like, Well, this is this is gonna take a little too long for me to get active. Um, and somebody had just approached me about Bricksmore. You know, Bricksmore had a new CEO who was also a UVA alumni, just as myself. Oh, ah, there you um, go, UVA. And they they, of course, Wahoo. Um, and then they started, uh, he was starting a new group. And, you know, this was kind of like portfolio, portfolio management, asset management. He was trying to bring some sophistication. He came from Federal Realty. And I'm like, hey, let's go see what this guy can do. You know, that's one of the things, Chris, I would tell you. Every position, always looking for a mentor, or as I call him, a rabbi to kind of give you that guidance. If in somebody <laughs> who can help you develop, I'm sticking with them.
0: Am I a rabbi? Can I be your rabbit? Nah,
2: uh, you, <laughs> temporary. You kind of substitute sometimes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, And then, so then, okay, then you went over to, then you went to like Madison, right? Madison's all of a sudden you're now in like real estate, private equity, sexy, right? Was yep. that all you, all you dreamed of?
2: It was. It absolutely was. You know, it's funny you say that because, you know, Chris, at one point in my career, and I think I was at MetLife, I was literally sending handwritten letters to to heads of private equity shops to try to get an interview to get to get some time on their calendar to speak oh wow um and so you know i never got a response i would call assistance and i would try to get in there um and i'm telling you i I mean i i i got i got a hell of a hustle but you know when i got to madison it was everything it was i thought it was going to be i mean some of the people there were some of the smartest people i've ever worked with i think hindsight's everything i have a much better appreciation for it right now but I I got thrown into the fire with a billion dollar retail portfolio for a group that always is the LP. And we're like, Hey, now we're GPs. My predecessor lined it up perfectly for me. He was the perfect guy to structure the deal. And they're like, now you got to operate it. So Mm. it was really good. It was good.
0: Yeah. I remember when they bought that deal. I remember, uh, that's awesome, man. Now. So then, I mean, you're an entrepreneurial guy. You just said you have a lot of hustle. Like what kind of, what are some of the real estate entrepreneurial things that you've been doing lately?
2: Uh, Real estate wise, I haven't done much on the real estate side right now. And that's honestly just because like where I'm at with NJCC has been taking a lot of my focus. Um, My most recent deal that I did on the side was I was actually an asset manager or portfolio manager for a family. Um, They owned some ground in New York City um, and they collapsed the ground lease. They had to get their ground lease. Let's see out. Uh, We had to finance it. We had to negotiate with the tenants and they sold it as a development site. So, you know, just working with them um, I really enjoy helping people through the process who may not have as much experience as I do in terms of working through certain things. So it was it was a great situation for me where there were still people on the ground, but I can kind of get that strategic oversight. You know, um, I would tell you, Chris, one of the other things that I've been doing is just leveraging my network to really try to connect some of these emerging and minority developers and operators to any capital sources that I can. Um, there's a bunch of group out there is right now. They're trying to do some things, you know, blue Vista in Chicago is a great group. Mm. Um, you know, you've got Kane Anderson doing something on the multifamily side, Tishman. Um, there's just a bunch of people out there right now that are really looking to kind of help people get started. Mm. So to the extent I can make those connections for people, I do that as well too.
0: So Victoria, is this something you've done in the past before too?
1: Um, I haven't, I mean, a, a little bit of work. So when I was at low income investment fund, we were launching like a black developers initiative. So I'm really focused on um, black uh, developers of color and black developers, Wells Fargo is doing an initiative as well as a few other um, like big banks that we were kind of working with um, to, to give those dollars away. Um, and then like, I did a lot of, you know, resident services work, which is a little different from my affordable, um, affordable housing developer, but. It sounds like one question I do have it sounds like you've been very intentional about kind of like every single time you mentioned a job you say it was a great move and it was it, you were happy to make it like how how did you go about thinking about you know the way that your careers progressed? like has that been a little bit more organic in these conversations or one-off you know connections or were you pretty intentional about that growth over time
2: I love to learn and try new things so it was a little bit of being intentional I'd go back to my father and We'd have those rabbi conversations like, what are you thinking? Why are you doing it? Um, I think he'd probably tell you, Ryan, you moved around too much. And a lot of people will tell you that when they look at my resume. Um, But I I honestly think those experiences um, were really important for me. Um, I do think that for other people who are thinking about moving positions, you always want to be able to show a track record of completing something. Right. And so I think that's the goal before you switch a job. If you have an initiative or you want to lease up this building, you want to sell it, get it done, knock it down and then move to the next thing. Um, i guess one question for you victoria i I would throw it back to you some of those programs right you Mm -hmm. know especially with the black developers what do you think about how successful they've been what do you think is missing because i I have some thoughts on that i know a lot of people are throwing money at the problem um what what do you think
1: that's a really good question and one of my colleagues this is actually a question i was going to ask you um but you know one of my colleagues was really thinking about um measuring it's you know you get metrics and measurements right and those can put a lot of stress on a nonprofit or even developers in themselves because then they're reporting all these things to someone they have like five people on their team they're already you know they're already have low resources and then we're asking them to track all of these metrics that track to a very i would say like stereotypical traditional way that we see impact but what we were working on were like an impact reporting that has a little bit more to do with like what do communities want what does a developer see as successful? Is it that this, you know, access to this capital opened up this much more capital for them? Um, Is it that they were able to hire this one consultant to work on this project? And then therefore like that opened up a bunch of other opportunities. And so really, I think the way that it can be successful, but I think one thing you really have to think about is maybe the traditional number of units over how many years or whatever, that a a big bank might think, okay, this is what we want to report out on, you know, to our investors Um, may not be the actual best way to go about measuring impact. And I think therefore has like negative impact on communities because we're so caught up in these numbers that to be honest, the people living in that home or that apartment even care about. So I think it's really, it's important to define that. I don't know if you've had that experience, like kind of working with communities to kind of define what's important certainly in your current role like do you guys kind of sit down or think about that as you guys decide kind of big decisions
2: yeah it's hard it's hard right because you know even even as a nonprofit specifically with NJCC you know you still have a double bottom line you still got to make money but you got to hit the mission you got a high cost of capital and then like there's just a high cost of entry to play now right whether you're an entrepreneur or a nonprofit it's really hard for us to compete. We never compete in the open market for deals because there's groups that'll pay all cash or whatever, and they'll chase it down. And that's been one of the challenges for us. You know, we have to work with cities. We have to, you know, tax liens, tax credits. We got to be really creative, but there's not a lot of meat on the bone. Um, And so just thinking about a lot of that's really difficult. You know, I think in terms of the minority developer programs or BIPOC, whatever you want to call it, I think there has to be, entity level investments rather than deal investments, right? Because one, you need to be able to tie up a deal, but you also need to be able to hire people to really build out, you know? And I think it's a, it's unrealistic to think that, you give people money for like five deals and now they're really self-sufficient. And that's just not like, you know, we're buying t- 10% of deals, 5%. You got to turn the deals, you got to recycle the capital. Um, so just, I think there's a need for more patient and low cost capital um, for some of those developers.
1: Yeah, Interesting.
0: hopefully they're
2: listening. Uh, they say they are, we'll see. <laughs> Chris may have the right crowd for us, you know, But I, what is your role there? What are you doing there? So at NJCC, I'm the managing director of real estate, but I, I love it, Chris. Cause like when you talk about it, being an entrepreneur, right? Like I said, we have a brokerage. I have 25 people that are, are working on it. We've got a brokerage, we've got property management, we got construction management, and then we're going out okay. and buying stuff. We have a for sale residential ground up construction fund. We've got multifamily assets we're trying to ground, uh, build from the ground up, you know, but we started as a rehab and flip kind of a nonprofit. Um, we get large pools of non-performing loans. We take them through the foreclosure process. We try to pee people in if we can. If not, we rehab them and sell them and try to get first time home buyers in there. Um, we have a big down payment assistance program that we administer. Um, and We're trying to find more dollars for that. But that that's one of the things I would tell you, the, the single family market, um, you know, prior to the, the big. I guess, influx of capital coming into it really, really generational in terms of changing is transformational for communities with getting those home buyers in those houses. Your, your home is your number one asset where you have your equity or your value. Right. And so right. you got to put people in those homes to make a change.
0: So that's the number. Yeah. That's a big wealth generator for like generations, right? Like the ability to buy a home. Um, and then are you folks you guys focused on more, like, is it all New Jersey? Like any specific areas of New Jersey?
2: Yeah, I mean, most I would say 80% of our portfolio is New Jersey. We do some stuff in Florida as well. We've been in Tampa, St. Pete, Orlando, um, and we had a big project in West Palm Beach that we just decided not to do, uh, building a 56-unit multifamily uh, shipping container project. Oh, um, cool. But everything everything else is in New Jersey. Um, mostly, you know, we did a lot in Northeast Orange, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and expanding right now to Trenton and Atlantic City. Atlantic City is really interesting as well.
0: Do so you have a passion for, like, I mean, I, I assume you've seen said- – Victoria, you have a passion for it, like the passion for like, I guess, the right, I don't know the right word, giving back or developing communities. Or, or is that something that uh, was that something that you grew up with too?
2: Yeah, always. Um, I mean, we just came from a family. of You got to have a good heart, right? You do good and good things happen with good energy. I mean, I've been an a basketball coach. Um, I got three kids, but I'm always trying to give back, you know, even with some of the gaming stuff I'm doing, I think that, the thing that attracted me to NJCC particularly is that it's the holistic approach, right? Like it's not just building rental apartments, which I think a lot of people do and they say, Hey, it's affordable. What other services are you offering to the tenants? Like, are you, do we do financial literacy? We do backpack drives. We're trying to do a lease to own program. So really trying to help people because I think you can't jump those brackets without a career or without a real opportunity. So using that real estate to mix it with everything else is really the goal. That's why I like this job in particular.
0: That's awesome, man. Where's your, where's your headquarters? We're in New
2: Brunswick. I work out of the Newark office. Ah, nice. I'll tell you, Chris, it's uh if I if I I don't know who's listening to this. So I'm not going to tell any crazy stories. No one. But let's just say on plenty of situations, I've called my wife. Like, I can't believe I traded Park Avenue for this street right here in downtown Newark. <laughs> and I've seen some crazy things going on. But I, <laughs> I, I love it, though. I'm sure we're in Newark area. So we're right by Lincoln Park.
0: OK, not too
2: far. Just south of, of City Hall.
0: Nice, man. Yeah. Um and then you won your Brunswick tool. And then, yeah. how did, Can you tell me about the firm? Like how did it start? Like, like where's, who? where's the funding come from?
2: Those, they started 30 years ago, um, which has been tremendous. We literally just got a new CEO. I want to say five months ago, Burnell Hall. He came from invest North where, where I used to be, but he's has a background of Goldman Sachs UBS. Um, and you know, we started as a small business lender and in 2009, this is when they expanded into, into the real estate market and started getting really active. Um, but, of the funding, I would tell you, uh, banks, foundations, um, other CDFIs that lend to us. So, you know, this is a really, really diverse source of capital. Um, I think that we could talk more about the capital needs, but the investment capital is there. It's more of the operating capital to, to service some of these programs where I think a lot of the funding should be going. Gotcha.
0: Uh, that's awesome, man. And so where do you see you guys, where do you see your career ground? Where do you see uh, NJCC going? Like, where do you, what's, what's the next steps?
2: So, you know, we uh, like I said, we've been going through a lot of transitions right now. So although I feel like I've stepped into a situation where I have my own vertical in terms of my own real estate company, I'm really like destroy and rebuild, Um, really trying to, you know, get through some of the existing projects we have. We have a couple that should be done with construction this year Um, and then really looking to refocus. You know, again, I like that single family ground up construction. Mm. We also want to play in that multifamily market where it's like 10 to 100 units really under the institutional radar where we can kind of take some of that scattered site approach we have and experience and, and maximize it. Um, But again, I think it's going to be place made really focused, really targeted investments for us slow and steady. And then like, once
0: you get that built, you have the brokerage team there to go out and you find, is it like you have to have specific like specifications in order to live in these houses? Is there some sort of,
2: no, you know, I mean, with the fair housing act, you you can only ask so many questions, right. In terms of who you're putting in there. So what we do is when we sell a home, whatever we list it, uh, we have a buyer offer sheet. Um, and it basically kind of says, you know, who are you? Where are you from? How many people in your household? First time home buyer? Did you get assistance, you know, from a counselor? And we try to build and track the data that way to Victoria's point so we can use it. Um, but, you know, outside of that, that's where we really start in terms of generating some of those leads. Cool. That's awesome, man. Are you doing good work there? Yeah. Trying to, trying to. I call it social work with Legos. Victoria, what programs were you doing over there?
1: I was working on, I wasn't there that long, but I was working on, um, I was actually working on some stuff with, uh, oh my God, purpose-built communities, you know, purpose-built out of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So I was supporting, we had like a huge, uh, what's it called? Um, My brain is not working on this Monday. Um, We had like a huge fund that we were kind of uh, looking to give uh, some of their quarterbacks and development um, capital. And then also some stuff with ECE preschool with Safe and NHT, and then also this black, that black developers, growing developers, work with Wells Fargo and Capital One. Gotcha. Yeah, it was a, it was a little bit higher than national level versus like that deep into communities it was more like designing and creating some new programs for them. Gotcha. Um, and then before that, I worked at a an affordable housing developer, developing the services for
2: for profit.
0: Then I stole gotcha. it. is it still cold in new jersey
2: uh it's 60 today well are you ready for the hot seat (laughs) i'm ready the
0: hot seat is sponsored by kk reset kk reset is an hr management and outsourcing consulting firm that specializes in helping organizations to reset their culture structure and path they outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple of days a week and provides, you know, everything you need from an HR perspective for your for your firm. So, it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe it doesn't make sense for them to have in-house HR function. Um, so please check them out at kkreset.com, k k r e s e t.com. All right. How's a good one. Question number 1. Do you have any advice for anyone looking to start out or like grow their career in this field, your field? Yeah. What have you kind of the lessons you've learned? This could be a very long answer or a very short one, whatever you want.
2: No, I would tell you uh, people skills. I think number one, right. I think having emotional intelligence is is irreplaceable and priceless. Um, So you got to put yourself in a situation where one, you're not only around good, smart people, um, but also in a situation where you're getting a bunch of different exposure. Um, I'm one who people will tell you, they'll say, hey, you should specialize. I think especially young coming into your career, take in as much as you can, get as much exposure as you can, and then start to figure out where you want to focus as you get a little bit further down the path.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you've done, I mean, you have done some really exciting and, and impactful work. What's been your most memorable deal or project that you've worked on?
2: Huh, that is a good one. Hmm. And I always go recent because... I have, I have so many different deals over the course of my career. I would tell you the one that I'm, I'm thinking about the most right now is called, um, we call it the PASF portfolio. Um, and we bought 83 units in Paramore, the Paramore neighborhood of Orlando, which is historically black and challenged neighborhood. Um, and when we went in there, we been buying these 83 units. We bought it from a slumlord who was basically, if you know anything about Orlando and Florida right now, price appreciation, rent appreciation has gone through the roof. Um, and so we went in, we bought these 83 units, we financed it with, you know, typical permanent kind of financing from a community bank. And then we raised two and a half million dollars from the city, the Orlando Magic, the OUC, which is Orlando's Util- Utilities Commission, um, and a bunch of different partners. And we worked with two different nonprofit partners. And, you know, we just did the ribbon cutting this year. So we rehabbed these units um, that were occupied. We relocated tenants, put them in hotels. Um, and over the course of the last two years to see the progress that we've made to give these people a home. Um, you know, we employed some of the residents as contractors, either landscape oh, or wow. doing some yeah. work. Uh, it's been transformative right now. If I tell you to take a look at the operating side of that, it is a challenge. Right. Um, but that's stuff you just can't measure. So <laughs> for me, really trying to figure out how we make that something we can replicate across the country and other communities is the goal right now. So so working through some of those issues.
0: Speaking of which, now we are recruiters here. Like, what do you look for when you're hiring someone? Like, I'm sure you're, you're, you're a big shot now. Like, you're, you hire people. Like, what are you, what are you looking for generally? <laughs> I, if
2: I was a big shot, they'd be knocking on my door, Chris. I'm doing okay. Um, <laughs> I would tell you, honestly, just someone with some passion. You know, I think a lot of the things that I'm missing some of the younger generation now or the kids I'm seeing coming out is just the hunger. You know, I remember being in the office the day after Thanksgiving, at eight o'clock in the morning, staying there till eight o'clock at night because I needed something for my boss. And my boss told me, hey, take off and go home. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily come across a lot of that anymore. And it's not about the quantity of the hours, but the quality of the work. Um, So really just finding people who want to learn, who want to grow. You know, if you come work for me, it should be a revolving door. I want you to come in, learn, develop and go to that next place. And it only makes all of us to do that much better. So that's what I'm looking for. Somebody who's hungry,
0: hunger passion.
2: Yep.
1: Yes. Um, So you've had a lot of impact in your roles. And um, I'm wondering, like, how do you think in your day to day? Like, what impact are you trying to have in the day to day? Like, what's kind of driving you every single day when you come to work?
2: Huh. Right now, it's really like getting this shop to a place where I feel like we're going to be able to prove out to everybody else how you can make the nonprofit affordable housing owner work. Mm-hmm. um and then just looking at my team and developing them i feel like you know i've been there it'll be two years in july um but i would say i've only really been in the mix for like the last twelve once i started during covid um but i see a lot of room of, for growth with them in terms of development we're restructuring the whole team um and it's fun i like building people so that's going to be the best part
0: that's awesome man. and what, what other entrepreneurial stuff are you doing besides real estate
2: um i love working with some uh, you know i'll tell you about the, the deal i just finished working on um this was an fB concept thousand square feet called ghost truck kitchen out of jersey city um and i had known the owner for a while we went to high school together but really watched him kind of grow he's been in the fmb space for a while and so he opened up i would call it two years before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. no no dine-in all take out all like tech enabled he has a great tech stack And uh, I've led a group of angel investors. We invested in his restaurant to open up a second location in Hoboken. And I was just helping him with some strategic advisory work, trying to help him raise capital, thinking about how to make his business operational. Um, And we ended up we were in it for a year as our angel investment group and we got bought out. Um, He got a seed round, I would call of investing. He's going to be opening up a bunch of locations Uh, and it was just fun. It was That's fun awesome, to kind yeah. of walk them through that process and work with them. It I didn't make much money because you know we probably spent more money on legal fees than we did in terms of the actual return, <laughs> but the experience in itself was great just to walk through it.
0: You love that stuff? Is that something one of your passions?
2: Love it. I love business, Chris. Like people, like they go home and they're like, I, I used to love basketball. I still love basketball. My son plays, but like I'm 24 hours a day kind of grinding, trying to figure out something new and learn. So I love business.
0: The most important question, what's your like favorite video game that you play? You said you're a video gamer.
2: 2K right now. 2K all day long. Uh, I got a, I, My son helped me create a, a player for my park, which is like where you go play on the blacktop. So we've been doing that. It's been great. You know, I, I did that gaming. I have a gaming company that I invested in. Um, because of the connection, I was able to create with my son. Like I just oh, saw him cool. and his friends on Fortnite and they're playing. And he, I have a 12 year old. So if you ever seen trying to get him to clean his room. You gotta you gotta dangle that that controller. Yeah, out yeah, of front of yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that my son's 11, <laughs> so he's just got here. Yeah, I get it. Uh, awesome, man. That yeah. That, that any other cool investments? Ghost truck? I've heard of Ghost Truck Kitchens.
2: I think. Yeah, we we Chris, like we got to get him out there. You know, I was trying to help him find some of the larger real estate investors because the concept just works for residential. It works for office. Um, and again, you know, those guys, some of those guys didn't want to give him the time of day. But I'm telling you, that's going to be a brand people are going to know about. He was. One of the best operators out there it's a great name ghost truck definitely
0: ryan (laughs) johnson good to have you on here man you're the managing director of real estate at njcc new jersey community capital thank you for sharing your story here man and great to reconnect thanks
2: thanks for having me chris thanks victoria
1: thanks ryan